Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to our October House Calls. Finally, 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 fall is in the air after a brutal summer in our country, especially here in Arizona, where our evening low of 96 was oftentimes the low, the highest low in the country. That's that's a uh, that's a title most people don't want to have uh, in their state. Autumn is here. We're relieved to know that the autumn color leaves are out. In fact, I was just in Toronto recently to visit friends, and I just enjoyed the most beautiful autumn leaves out there. And as we know, with the autumn, the holidays are around the corner, and it's it's already here, guys. You know that. Uh, Halloween candy is out. Thanksgiving fixings, fixings are out there in the grocery stores, and Costco has the Christmas trees. Actually, they've been out there for the last three weeks. So I always think, gosh, it's happening so quickly. I can't believe how quickly this is happening to the end of the year. And I always use the analogy of the end of the toilet paper roll. The end of the toilet paper roll goes faster the closer you are to the last sheet of toilet paper. And it's the same with the end of the year. It goes faster the closer you get to the end. So I always begin with my show with my honorable mentions. And those are people who listen in, who are celebrating a birthday or a special event. And this is for the month of October. So there are quite a few birthdays in October. Salida Lonask, who is a dear friend of ours, is having a birthday. My brother, Angel Mariano Jr., is having a birthday this month. And he's coming out to visit our family here in Arizona. Happy birthday, my dear brother. Master Chief Fred Sanchez in Maryland is having a birthday. He was one of the presidential valets, served four to five presidents in the U.S., and was a retired master chief in the Navy. Dr. Richard Reidenauer, Dr. Dick Reidenauer, has been on our show several times with his wife, Leslie. Uh, he is a fountain of knowledge, wisdom, a retired psychiatrist, retired medical officer of the Marine Corps, and also Bethesda Naval Hospital, Hospital Commander, former president of Marion College. Happy birthday, Dick. Catherine Basket, who is my astrologer friend in Tucson. Georgiana Clifford is having a birthday. Happy birthday, my dear. My former patient, Hillary Rodham Clinton, has a birthday this month. Happy birthday. My former sister-in-law, Liz Stone. Michael Chalmers in Minnesota. My cousin, Mary Strauss in San Diego. Happy birthday to all of you. In addition, uh, having been a former Navy veteran, Happy birthday to the U.S. Navy this month. October 13th marks 248 years of the U.S. Navy in existence in our country. Anniversaries, my sister Lori and her wife are celebrating their 15 years of marriage. They've been together 33 years. Happy anniversary, Lori and Val. And then the special events for me in October uh, is my upcoming 50th high school reunion. I did go to my 30th high school reunion about 20 years ago in San Diego, and it was at a hotel. And I remember walking into the hotel, looking around and realizing, my goodness, who are all these old people? So I will be delighted to see who's there, who's still alive. That's not that old, really. And just to, to go back and flash back into the past. So as I thought about my reunion and, and reminisced of the high school days, it does bring back a lot of memories as you realize time flashes before you. And again, it's the end of the toilet paper roll. The closer you get to the end of this life, it does look like it goes faster. 
But I look back uh, as as time goes on, especially as I approach my 69th birthday in January, and I look at my journey arriving in this country at age two from the Philippines, and now I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and there was a lot of stuff that happened, obviously, in between. And I look at medicine as really the main part of that life, 42 years of medical practice, 42 years of being in medicine, and the last 18 years being in private practice. And I look at how medicine has changed in my lifetime, definitely, not only uh, in terms of the, the, the discoveries and how we understand medicine and physiology and pharmacology and the human function, but then the things that don't change in terms of taking care of people and relating to them. But I look at also to the new generation of doctors. So what constitutes a generation is, you know, when you move on and the, the the group that's supposed to follow after you, your children, they follow on. So I thought of that, especially when it uh, came to our special guest today, because this month, uh, this past month in my practice, I was very fortunate to welcome a new physician to join me in caring for my patients at the Center for Executive Medicine in Arizona. My new doctor on board is a generation younger than my generation. So that I find is great because I think that brings in new energy, somebody who's very, very current to me in, in what goes on. I'm not ready to pass the torch yet. In other words, I'm not ready to retire. I plan to continue to practice medicine as long as I can remain healthy, physically fit, mentally sharp, current in the practice, and just still enjoy seeing patients. I think that's the criteria. And there's a whole different study about people who decide not to retire, and they do have a longer lifespan because they have a great purpose to go on. So I think if, if you if you look at longevity and that we'll do a separate show one day about it. If you've got purpose, passion, and then people, the three P's in your life, those are all conducive to a long life. So our new physician at my practice, the Center for Executive Medicine, is Dr. Linda Eller. I'm just going to share a little bit about her in our brief bio, and there's more about that on my website. Dr. Eller completed her undergraduate degree at the University of Arizona, and then she went to medical school at A.T. Still University of Osteopathic Medicine. She graduated in 2011 after years of training and residency uh, in family practice. She returned to Arizona to practice family medicine. She's a physician who takes a functional approach to medicine. She studied functional medicine, has taken many courses in it. And functional medicine, which she's going to, I'm going to ask her to tell us about, aligns with her personal philosophy of focusing on the whole patient and empowering them through shared decision making. And I think that embraces a, a very great way, a wonderful way to practice and, and include your patient versus top down, ordering them to follow different things because you want to make sure they're in compliant, that they are your partner, your partners in healthcare. She views each patient as a unique individual who strives to understand the root causes of their health issues rather than just treating symptoms, which I absolutely agree is the best way to treat them. I'm going to have her describe more in our interview. In addition to being a wonderful physician, practitioner, family medicine doctor, functional medicine doctor, Dr. Eller, Eller strives to continue the cutting edge of new modalities and procedures. She's got great hands for procedures. She's very sharp with that. She's trained in several aesthetic t- techniques and in, in use of neuromodulators. She's used Botox and Dysport, uh, dermal fillers, microneedling, combined with platelet-rich plasma treatment, PRP, PRF 
and exosomes. So there's a whole, that's actually a, a different uh, lecture or show we can do about that. So he does a very, she does a wonderfully tailored approach to care. So there's so much she offers. And that's one of the reasons I, we invited her to join the practice. She brings that, her energy, her hardworkingness, and just her ability to, to connect with people so much. So Dr. Eller, Dr. Linda, thanks for being on our show today. Thanks for having me. One of the things I, I think when I look at your resume and all the things you've done, go back to the beginning. What, what got you interested in medicine? So I feel like medicine was always part of my life. From a little kid, I was the, always the first one to grab a Band-Aid to put on my sibling when they got hurt. Um, always the first one to rush in if someone said, hey, I need some help. Um, and unfortunately, like many providers, we had I had a sick family member. Um, my mom from an early age uh, suffered from some health issues. So she had, unfortunately, pancreatitis that led to multiple surgeries, um, including a really massive surgery when I was ready about to transition into medical school. Um, it was really impactful. Um, it's about 15 years since the the surgery, but basically they removed her pancreas and did an I, I, auto islet cell transplant into her portal vein. And for a long time, she was actually able to live without insulin. Um, fortunately, now she is on insulin. Um, but it's been an amazing experience to be her caregiver during that time uh, from going from undergrad to medical school. Um, I got to work with the physicians there, got to help tell her story and be her advocate. And there, that honestly wasn't the first time that I was my mother's advocate. Um, there's just been many times that I found that by being her voice when she couldn't, mm -hmm. um, when she was too much in pain or too depressed because of the pain, um, mm -hmm. that I was able to help be there for her, for her appointments. And I feel like that's translated, um, throughout my career in medicine. Um, it helped me, it still does to become a better provider and to be an advocate for my patients and truly listen to their needs and come from a different standpoint than just, okay, you're just a number. No, you're a person. That's amazing. That that I think is so inspiring to have a family member and you can really know the impact of the care and really be their advocate is 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 so immensely important. Tell us about osteopathic medicine because a lot of people that your initials are DO not MD and a lot of people don't know the difference. Yeah. Can you share the difference? Yeah, and it's honestly, a lot of people don't even realize that they might've actually been seen a DO. Um, DOs and MDs, we go through the same exact training. Four years in medical school, we had to take the same MCAT to get into medical school. Um, but during that medical school time, we have eight hours typically is what is given at most um, osteopathic physician um, medical schools. You have eight hours of training where you're learning every detail of every muscle and how it relates to the body. You're learning osteopathic manipulation. And it's a mind-centered, body-centered approach where you're looking at everything from every perspective. Um, so it's a really integrative approach um, about looking at the whole patient as a whole instead of each individual part. Um, and so throughout that, you actually get that that training throughout your four years of medical school. And then during residency, if you choose an, an osteopathic type of residency, then we actually have training through that as well. Um, then you sit for your board exam and, and actually get certified in mm -hmm. osteopathic manipulation. Now, not every DO does a manipulation. So there's quite a few that it just didn't fit into their practice style or maybe into what specialty. Um, most DOs do typically go into family medicine or in uh, internal medicine, but they could be neurosurgeons, um, mm -hmm. you know, just the same as, as MDs. 
No, we had, it was a long time in, in the military at the White House, they would only pick MDs. Mm-hmm. And that got changed in about 15 years ago. And it was like, it's it's, it's the same, guys. Mm-hmm. It's the same D-O-M-D. Mm-hmm. They're doctors, they treat you and 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 they don't distinguish between that. I know today in clinic, we won't we won't say who it was, you did some manipulation. Yeah. Can you share what, what you did? What that yeah. So for this particular patient, she's been struggling with head and neck pain. Um, and I do a lot of modalities where I'm really focusing on the muscles to help the muscles relax. And by letting the muscles relax, that'll kind of help the bones to, to realign, if you will. Um, she was having a lot of headaches, a lot of neck pain from this, a lot of shoulder pain. That's kind of where she carried her tension. So through different techniques and modalities, I was able to help relax her, her trapezius muscles. Um, we worked on her paraspinal muscles as well. Um, I even just did what we call uh, some cranial sacral where I, I'm just kind of relaxing these tissues in a different way. Um, to basically, she left having maybe six out of 10 pain and left about two out of 10 pain. Right. So, and, uh, and some people with multiple treatments, they'll get a lot more pain reduction. Um, but sometimes I have to combine that with other modalities as well, like, you know. <laughs> but it's great because yeah. you're not just saying, okay, here's an x-ray, here's a pill, go get something. And, you know, you're not yeah. putting a needle and you're doing different ways to manipulate, knowing the body and the structure and the function. Yes. Uh, now you mentioned functional medicine. Yeah. Tell us what functional medicine is yes. about. Uh, so functional medicine, goodness, it's it's been around a lot longer than we thought. It's been around about 20 years. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's the new wave of patient care. Um, anyone can actually get training in functional medicine. Um, it's just a, just courses that you can take and even go further and get the certification. Um, but there's a role for different players in every, in every role. So such as a nutritionist, they could actually get their, uh, get certified in functional medicine as well to play their role in functional medicine. But I like to think of functional medicine as diving deeper into the patient's problem and getting to the root of the problem, but looking at the whole patient and an expanded approach. So even going into what is their social life like? What are the, who are the people in their life? What are the connections that they have? Let's go back to their traumas. Let's go back to the big moments of their life that impacted their health because that we carry those, we carry those things throughout our life, Um, whether it be happy things or sad things. So, you know, getting married, getting divorced, um, whether it be, um, you know, having a hard childhood, all of these things impact our health uh, and wellness. So you actually look at the lens of that. You even dive deeper into what is their energy level? What does their mitochondria look like and, and that cellular function? So you're kind of looking at it this massive lens and you're using other tools that you may not use in traditional medicine. So extra vitamin panels. I, I work with a couple of different labs and I get expanded profiles on vitamin levels, right? And it's telling me, well, they're normal. They might have a normal B12, but they're not methylating correctly. Mm-hmm. So let's change up on what they're doing with either food or maybe add some, you know, some vitamins if they need it. You can even look at stool samples to see how they're digesting mm-hmm. and how their digestive health, because really our gut is everything. Mm-hmm. The biodome. It is. Yeah. And for those patients who don't want to go that way and are really interested in diet, um, there's some different specific specific diets that we recommend mm-hmm. based off of what our findings are to really help get them healthy. So you're looking at the patient in functional medicine, not as one thing but is everything and how that fits into the picture of them. And so how you can get them healthier on that journey. It takes a long time, 
but you can definitely get patients healthier on that journey. So your journey has been, you got your, your degree in medicine, you know, mm-hmm. DO. And then from there, you know, cause a lot of people are wanting training cause you're young yeah. and you know, you, you know, you graduated in 2011. Where, where did your journey take up to this point? Yeah. Where have you trained? Where have you been? Yeah. So um, I knew I was coming back to Arizona after, um, after residency. So I kind of wanted to go a little different. So I went to the East coast. I do have some family on the East coast. So I wanted to kind of try something different. Um, and so, uh, my training was in Southern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, in a little town called Danville. Um, it taught me wonderful medicine. I can tell you that, um, a lot of really complex patients, some of the sickest patients I've ever taken care of, but it really taught me a lot. Um, uh, I came back to Arizona after fish- finishing residency and for the last nine years, I've been in community health. Mm-hmm. So I've been uh, working with the medically underserved at community health centers, um, just working with people to try to get them healthy um, and, and with, actually with patients with all sorts of backgrounds. Wow. You, you, you've had a totally different population from what I've seen. Yeah. Cause, uh, but it's, I think you'll learn a lot from the indigent. There's more that diseases and conditions that, that we're insulated in, in this world definitely are. What taught you? What did you learn from them? So one thing I learned was patience, right? Mm -hmm. So in a typical model of patients, you see a lot of them in a day in a typical primary care setting. And that 15 minutes is so impactful for them. So you have to basically make sure that you're getting as much as you can in that 15 minutes, if not bring them back for future appointments. So to make sure each appointment for them was really impactful to try to get to the root of their problems and also create a, a plan very quickly to see Okay, how many more times do I need to bring so it you back? So you see in every 15 minutes a patient? Mo- in most settings, yes. Um, how do you do that? Yeah, it was it was hard. Um, so the first job I came out, I was um, roughly about 26 patients in a day. So every 15 minutes. Um, there was a really great team I had to support me behind. I had nutritionists. Um, I had behavioral health consultants mm-hmm. to kind of help me with those mm-hmm. other things that I didn't have time for. Yeah. Um, so it made practicing medicine a little bit different how I envisioned, but I was really fortunate to have some great people behind the scenes mm-hmm. to educate my patients about, yes, now you have diabetes. This is mm-hmm. okay. Here, this is how you give yourself insulin. This yeah. is how you need to change your diet. That's a lot in fifteen minutes. That's I think, a lot. Is that? I think the average visit in the U.S. is probably about fifteen or twenty minutes, isn't it? I think it's less than that. It's less than that. Mm-hmm. You can't undress yeah. our geriatrics patients in twenty minutes. You, you can't. You can't even talk. You know, and and I guess it's a system. It's how the system is set up for reimbursement. We're different because we're concierge, and yeah. you know, it's a membership. Uh, you know, direct pay. And so now the luxury is you have 90 minutes for a physical mm-hmm. and maybe 60 minutes for an quote acute visit or 30 minutes, which you really, really get to know somebody. You, you do. Know? Yeah. You yeah. do. And I, and I realized, you know, it, I think that's why a lot of, especially primary care providers are getting burnt out yeah. with the system. Yeah. Um, you know, is is driven by RDUs, these um, revenue generating units. Yeah. yeah, it's it's how how we are creating this this volume to get paid and to get everyone else paid at the organization, but it leads for burnout. And and unfortunately, last year I started experience burnout, and I really searched within myself what did I value? My mm-hmm. value was time with patients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that's what brought me and led me to concierge was the idea that. I could actually spend more time mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. And by spending more time, that means I could be more impactful. And maybe I don't have to bring them back for six visits. I can accomplish so much in one mm-hmm. by having the time to listen. Save a, 
You can save them. I had a patient at Mayo when I worked at Mayo Clinic Executive Health. And again, it's a totally different population. And they work for the Gallup poll people. And I said, "What what do patients want? What do patients want in their doctors? He says, very simply, two things. They want somebody who's kind and somebody who'll spend the time to talk to them. They don't look at your diploma. At your, the, by the time they get, they're not looking at your board scores, your diploma. They just want to know if you'll listen to them and, and you'll spend the time. Yeah. It's very simple. And it's almost like, you know, part of me, I wonder with all the artificial intelligence that's going on, are we going to get replaced? Oh, goodness. Are I, we going to get replaced? You know, maybe in a hundred years, but um, I don't think anytime soon that that personal touch mm-hmm. of a human mm-hmm. goes so far. Even I've, I've read studies that just said in osteopathic manipulation, they kind of said, is this like a sham, right? Mm. It's not. Mm-hmm. But just the idea of someone laying their hands has great value. That's mm-hmm. what they've seen from these studies. The energy. Uh, the actually, energy. Your energy. And it's, it's that, that human touch, that human connection that no AI could give. You know, it's so true. I mean, people almost said, you know, when what we do as doctors, it's pattern recognition, you you know, and you see people mm-hmm. Google, they'll put a list of diagnoses and it spits out the differential diagnosis. But it takes somebody to elicit a history, mm-hmm. take some human touch to get their trust to say, oh, I'm going to tell you these deep, dark secrets that are the root of the problem, yep. because it may not be the underlying root. There's something deeper that you're, you're you look at the whole person. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing. That's the empty part that things go undiagnosed or they people don't get better. They just keep bouncing around. And that's the sad thing that they, they don't get better. But you're right. I, I don't think the human touch can never be replaced. We're coming to a break. We're going to pause for a quick break. We'll come back with Dr. Linda Eller, functional medicine family practitioner, wonderful physician and healer. Really, the, the goal is to heal those who come into our care. So stand by on House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano and Dr. Linda Eller from the Center for Executive Medicine, Scottsdale, Arizona. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. 
To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who are widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to House Calls with Dr. Connie and Dr. Linda Eller. And we're having a great time talking generation to generation. I was telling one of my friends, I I should probably call this show the young doc versus the old doc or the young doc, which is Dr. Eller and and the old doc, Dr. Connie. But, you know, I always think that if it's, it's great to have new people, fresh blood, somebody current, bright to, to get things going. And I think it, it adds more to your practice because you don't want two of the same person. You want totally different people that complement each other and, and have the same mindset to help heal people and share their talent and their gifts. And I think that's why I'm just delighted to have Dr. Eller with me. We're talking about her philosophy about caring for patients and healing them and using her gifts as an osteopath, as a functional medicine physician, and really her journey through life and taking care of patients. What do you like about medicine and what you do? I would say one of my biggest things is it's just the rewarding part is when you've actually helped someone along their journey. Um, So um, I had a patient that I had started the functional medicine journey on on my last practice before I left. And what really got me into functional medicine was, honestly, I've seen all the patients with long COVID or chronic fatigue. I had no solution. I had no idea. I I felt like all my resources were tapped out. Everything I would order, everything I would test, nothing would show up. But they were sick. They weren't feeling well. They, weren't, they didn't look well. And there's one particular patient that was extremely functional before COVID. And she got COVID early on and look, unluckily had lots of complications. So she wanted to go on this journey with me for functional medicine. We worked on a lot on her with her diet. We even looked at her, um, we did some soil samples and some blood work to kind of determine where she needed to focus on her diet and where we need to make some changes in her vitamins that she was taking. And when I left her, I left, we had an amazing conversation and she said, I'm 30% better from where I've been for the last two and a half years. She's like, I can actually have a conversation. I can actually laugh. I can have joy. And she's like, and you've set me up 
because we knew her, her path. We knew that I was leaving soon from that last practice, but we had a plan and she was going to follow that plan and she knew what to do and she knew how to get herself closer to that 100% where she wanted to be. And that brought me so much joy that I was able to help guide someone through a health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have so many cases like that where by guiding patients through their health journey and empowering them to take care of themselves, that I was able to help them and able to see that I helped them. So that was that that's why I'm in medicine. Yeah. Is to is to really help patients in a different way. You made a difference in her life. You you relieved your suffering. You you really made a difference. What's the hard part about what you do? Some of the hardest parts um when you don't know the answers. There there's so many things. There's so many of those zebras and unicorns that as we call them in medicine, the the odd cases you really can't find their cause, their problem. And that breaks my heart. Telling someone that they have cancer and that they're dying, that's that's broken my heart as well. Um, and unfortunately, as, as primary care providers, we've had to tell so many patients so many times that they're going, that they do have that cancer and that it is, it's incurable. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think that's the hard part of medicine. Well, you know, the reality is 100% of our patients die. You know? Correct. <laughs> How do we treat them? How do we treat them until yeah. they die? Yeah. What is that part? It's really the journey. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like about concierge medicine, our practice. It's long term. And the ones you can't figure out what's wrong with this person, ah, they can call you. They can reach out to you. If something comes up or it changes, you can follow up. And, and a lot of times I'll send a message to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Remember that thing you had like a couple of months ago? How's that going? And then they'll follow up. So you have that. They're not lost to follow up mm-hmm. because they belong to you. You 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 develop that relationship. They'll, for example, I saw my lady yesterday was having a horrible day. Her husband was sick and he was was giving her a hard time. He was verbally abusive to her. And then there was a business thing with her brother overseas. And then then she twisted her ankle and she just literally just cried. And then we talked about it. I did her physical. And then today, as I was sending her a message, she sent me a text back and said, I am so sorry I cried. I'm doing so much better. And I said, no, that's, I, I want to make sure you're okay. And and she was better. But knowing that you have that ongoing relationship that isn't like, okay, I saw you for this, quote, episode of care and you're done. And so you you, you maintain that. But it's, you know, it's knowing that what you did mattered, I think, that makes a difference. Um you know, you graduated in 2011. Now we're 2023. Yeah. How have you seen medicine change oh, in your career? Well, I'm going to actually go back. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I actually got into medicine when I was 16. Oh, really? What happened? Um, so I um, initially wanted to be a physical therapist. So my way to get into the hospital was by becoming a nursing assistant. So while in high school, I took, um, I think it was an eight unit course at the time, um, at the same time while I was a junior in high school and became a nursing assistant. And so I had my foot in the door in physical therapy um, at that point. And so it was an amazing experience. I actually have seen healthcare change so much because it's it started early then. And then I continued in physical therapy, but realized that I really ultimately wanted to be a physician. Um, I, I found that that was my calling and that's where I serve patients better. Um, and um, so then I went on to the Arizona Cancer Center and I worked um, with a melanoma specialist and a sarcoma specialist. 
oh. um, for about three years. Um, so that's kind of actually how my journey started wow, early. That's interesting. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah it absolutely. Is. So I kind of started back when paper charts were a thing. Yeah, right. um, and um, kind of and HIPAA became a thing during my early time. Um, Bill Clinton era. Yep. I was there. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> Yep. Like, thanks, Bill. Um, and I've seen, you know, just patients in their journey from then. And so healthcare has changed so much. Um, you know, it's it's advanced. The internet has taken over in the access to information yeah. that we have, that patients have. Yeah. Journals rapidly being published. Yeah. That technology of evidence-based medicine doesn't always take the place of patient first and, and you, you treat patients first. Yeah. Um, but I've just seen this massive change in growth, the use of computers. I was one of the first classes in medical school where they issued you your laptop and they said, this is your life. Don't lose it. Don't break it. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to need this for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been fascinating to see that journey. Um, granted, I still have worked with providers when in residency that um, they, they still use the paper charts. They didn't commit to the EMR. Um, and, and I will say there's been a lot of change, obviously with insurance too. Yeah. Um, you know, insurance is a a need and necessity, but it's also dictating us as providers and Mm -hmm. what we're able to do, Mm -hmm. um, especially in a traditional healthcare system. What x-rays are you allowed to do? What order are you allowed to do things? And it doesn't always put the patient first. It's, it's this social dilemma, this moral dilemma that we have as providers of, well, you've been on this one asthma medication for years, right? And it's controlled your asthma. You can run, you can play with your kids, you can be active, you can go hike. But now they want to switch you. Mm-hmm. And you can't be on that anymore. They won't pay for it. They, they won't, won't pay for it. So now you switch them to another one. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Their asthma gets flared up. They're out of work. They can't play and run with their kids. Then us as a provider have to go submit a prior authorization to say, hey, they really need this medication. This is the evidence why. So that's like an an extra hour yeah, that you go through that paperwork to satisfy that criteria so they can get so they can get their medication yeah. to be the patient advocate and so i will say that more the longer i've been in medicine the longer i've seen that social dilemma happening yeah and i don't know what the answer is but at some point us physicians need to get together as me- clinicians too because mm-hmm. this includes pas and nps we need to get together and figure out like how do we find a nice relationship where we don't have this this social and yep. moral dilemma of providing excellent quality health care. Mm-hmm. We're being dictated by a health insurance company that doesn't know what's best for our patients, but we do. But they're managing the money part that pays their salary. And exactly. so for me, it was almost a no brainer. I wanted to go direct pay, don't deal, but we still, in a lot of ways, and you'll see it, we do prior auth, we talk to insurance, we work with pharma because we, we advocate, we yeah. really advocate and do the best we can. To, to, to do that, to help them. And mm-hmm. we, we spend time doing it, but yeah. it is, it's a dilemma. Yes. How do you provide the best care within the system you're given to do all those yeah. things? And it's hard and the demands on most traditional practices, it's just getting harder and harder. And if we don't make some really positive changes, you're going to see a higher burnout rate. And that makes me so sad because without primary care, primary care is just, it's the foundation of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of surgeons. I mean, we have a lot of subspecialists, but we're the gatekeepers, as they say. We're the bread and butter of medicine. And a lot of specialists won't see them unless we see them. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, why are you sending him to a cardiologist? You you all can take care of it. 
And and we see it, but that's yeah. the part we love we, because is. you go anywhere and you know how to take care of people. And you as a family practitioner, yeah. you can take care of little kiddos, but yep. I take, you're that younger <laughs> spectrum, I'm the older spectrum. And I think, I think that's what appeals to a lot of people is, yeah. is, is how you've seen it. And, you know, and you just see how it's changed, how people have changed. A, a lot of us, the internet has done it. I mean, you've seen patients come in and they've Googled everything and they Google you, they Google us, they Google all that, but it's really, it goes down to, you know, the relationships, what they have. One of the things we talk about and when we love to talk about is, is really how do we help our patients live their healthiest and longest life possible? What do you, what do you recommend? So being family medicine, I've had the joy and pleasure of taking care of newborns all the way up. My oldest patient was 105. And so the craziest thing I've always asked my patients that are in their 80s and 90s that are still thriving, their mind is sharp, they're moving. You know what the secret is? They're moving. They're not sitting watching TV all day long. They have purpose. So they have something or doing something, whether it be a tiny part-time job, whether it be book writing, whether it be taking care of grants and kids, they have like a purpose mm-hmm. for their life and they're keeping their mind active. So whether that be like puzzles or word games or fun things that are keeping their mind active reading um, and then healthy eating, of course, too. And that's where the functional medicine comes into play too, is that healthy eating, cooking more at home, more whole food based, plant food based um, is, is really just important as well. The patients you'll see it definitely in our clinic are are affluent. It's a whole yeah. different. It's the opposite of what you have seen, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a different. But they still they die. They still have issues. But but one of the things they're going to task you is they're going to say they'll tell you I want to live to hundred. Mm-hmm. And I always say with good brain and no pain, right? You don't want to be a hundred and be infirm and have horrible dementia and not know what's going on. But really, our, our goal is to help you. Are there any special studies or tests that you like to order or health and wellness tests or screenings that you'd recommend for your patients? So for me, it's, again, all individual-based, right? Mm-hmm. And so I I do encourage all patients to get all of their regular screening blood work. They're screening um, mammograms, colonoscopies, everything that's age-based. Um, but I, if they're coming in for some things that seem more functional medicine, I'm going to make some other recommendations for other screenings that go a little bit, you know, deeper and like, diver. Like what kind of tests? Like stool testing? Yeah. Bio, yeah. Bio, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a couple of things that um, there's some really cool technology out where they can check your stool, do a little stool sample and actually check your floor and actually make a very specific probiotic for you. Oh, wow. Great. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, They can even do it for kids. Like, so kids with digestive issues. Um, So that's one really cool thing. Um, There's testing that you can do that's more specific for hormones. Um, That's going to even check like when your circadian rhythm is, when Mm -hmm. your melatonin is happening in your own Mm -hmm. body. Like these are not just the normal standard test. Mm -hmm. Um, Good diving deeper with vitamin labs or even diving deeper into um, food tolerances or allergies because some people it's like oh they have an allergy to everything well it's maybe more of an intolerance Mm -hmm. it's not a it's they're different reactions in our body but diving deeper into those things about how that relates to the gut um so that's kind of how i add in with functional medicine of other things that might need to be done so do you do you have them bring in their vitamins because a lot of them will have different types do you go over them you Mm -hmm. Assess them, go over them. Absolutely. So that's been one of my funnest things that I really enjoy that. Um, So (laughs) I've done that even in the in the regular, uh, you know, private sector of medicine. I if I could, when I had more time with patients, um, I would maybe bring them towards the end of the day where I knew had more time and I'd have them bring their bag. 
Mm-hmm. I've had patients bring in almost like a garbage bag size of vitamins. They don't know what they're taking. Yeah. They ask, they, they don't even know no. what it's for. No. Somebody added it yeah. or even their prescription was. Or they got a mail-in order for vitamins and they're like, let me take all of this. Um, I generally like to go through with patients and say, take what you need. Um, you don't, not everyone needs a multi. Some people need a multi, just depends on what you're needing. And I kind of go through that with patients. Um, I love to go through the vitamins and be like, okay, take this one. Don't take that one. This is like duplicate or tripling exactly what you've just Mm -hmm. done here. So I don't, I don't mind taking the time. It's actually a joy, even with medications too. If I'm able to do a a medication reconciliation where I go through all of their, their medications and say, well, you're on 30. Let's bring you down here because a lot of times if you prescribe one medication while well, we're prescribing another for the side effects. So why don't we just really figure out what the root problems are, what medications are necessary, remove the others if they're not necessary mm-hmm. and see if we need to just add them back in as needed, depending on what they're all, you know, within realms of safety and everything else. You know, and that's the thing you bring up. It, it what And it's amazing. Everybody should do that, but people don't because they don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And You'd be surprised, and you know, you've seen patients bring in, why are you taking this? I don't know. And doctors will sort of layer over it. They'll give them a prescription for this. They'll do it, and they'll keep on when they should have taken it off. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of that. I, I, You know, we talked about, you know, having a primary care doctor, and you reiterate over and over again. Um, and I really think people should. Everybody should have a primary mm-hmm. care, somebody they can reach out. It can be a nurse practitioner, a PA, physician. That somebody you can call when you need help, but we're seeing a lot of the younger population really don't do that. It's more acute care. It's usually when they get older, right? 30s, 40s, maybe? Um, well, at my last practice, I definitely had a lot of younger because I uh, the clinic location was closer to ASU, our mm-hmm. university here. Um, and so I was getting a lot of younger patients. Um, a lot of my 20-year-olds see me just once a year for an annual exam mm-hmm. or STD testing, or a lot of times there's some anxiety or depression over school or that transition, right, from graduating Mm -hmm. undergrad, becoming Mm -hmm. an adult on your own, learning how to do bills and, oh, goodness. to the real world. Yeah, exactly, right? So helping with those mood changes and that sort of thing. Um, And I I see there's a whole mix. There's many patients that I've had that are like 50 and they're like, I haven't seen a doctor in 10 years. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. We've had physicians who come to our practice who haven't seen a doctor in 30 years. And you're like, oh. I yeah, know. and I it's a, it's a discovery. It is it's a discovery. And I, before, my last clinic, right before I left, there was a particular patient that stands out, and he had some concerns that brought him in. And really, it was just I want to I want an annual exam, and I have some skin concerns that I think are maybe a skin cancer. Um, I first noticed on his vitals, his his heart rate was about one twenty, mm. and I'm like, mm. okay, let me see. Put my my stethoscope over his heart. And I immediately heard our regular, irregular rhythm. Atrial fib. He was an AFib, active AFib. Oh, boy. And um, to him, no symptoms. And I calmly said to him, sir, (laughs) you're an AFib. This is an irregular heart rate. Um, I don't know if you have a blood clot anywhere. I need you to go to the emergency room so we can rule that out. But the good thing is, is that we don't have to hospitalize hospitalize you for like getting on Coumadin like we used to. I know. It's a, right? There are other meds. That yeah, are... we have, we, you know, let's, we'll nope. figure out. Yeah. Um, and so we, we get him, he goes over to the ER, he gets his checked out. Luckily, no blood clots. He comes back the next week and he's like, wow, I've already started the medication. I didn't realize that I felt bad. Yeah. 
he had felt tired. And he felt, was, yeah, yeah, tired, a little short of breath. I didn't even realize. It was like, wow. You know, and so everyone needs a primary care doctor. Yeah. A good really. backup once a year. So once a year is at, at least, least a minimum. Once least. a year. Come and see me once a year, right? Yeah. You know, we look at all that. I mean, those are the basic things that they need. So what are some of the things uh, to look for when somebody's out, one of our listeners is looking at primary care doc? What, what do you recommend they look for? So, um, well, if you have to have insurance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you don't have the option of concierge, which concierge is amazing. Um, you, you but there want, are different price points. There are different price points yeah. for everyone, yeah, which is absolutely. great. So look, look for someone that values time. Look for a provider that has that, that time with you, that mm-hmm. you're not just a number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look for a provider that has a team to support them because that's really important too. Um, look for a provider that has a lot to offer. So someone that's kind, compassionate, but has other modalities that they can do so they don't always have to refer you out to someone else because mm-hmm. that's really important too. Um, when you do that, a lot of places these days kind of, they have like an interview appointment, if you will, even um, even that first appointment can serve as like an interview, right? Are they a good fit? We're just coming in for a quick visit. Are they a good fit? You know, make sure that person is is going to be your gatekeeper. They're going to be your quarterback. They're going to be your advocate because that's really important too, is having someone that's going to have your back when, when you're not feeling well, when you need them to go against your insurance company and say, hey, we need to do this prior off and this is why that they have the time to pick up the phone and do a peer-to-peer if needed to get something approved if it's really needed for your medical needs. Um, I think I think those are the best qualities um, in, in, in a primary care provider. You know, and you, you hit on so many things that are so important, people, is the communication. One of the things I've always stressed in this practice is I, I'm retired with one star as a admiral and you take the words of the letter star what's your business model it, I, I call it the star mm-hmm. principle any good practice really it's about service this is what you do you provide a service your admin staff provides a service the s that's a service the t is trust that your patients know you're going to call them you're going to follow up you're, you're going to check the results you're going to come through for them the a is access they can reach you they can call you dr eller i need your help it's a weekend i'm sick what do i do and the and the final letter is R. It's relationship. It's really the relationship. They feel connected to you. You know, what's going on with you? They become sort of a family member. They, You know them so well, their family that, and, and for many of our older ones, you're their last doctor. You become the one who sadly signs their death certificate, but you're you're there for them and their family and 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 you make the difference in their life. So I, it, it's, it, it's an amazing it's an amazing profession. It's mm-hmm. it's a noble profession, and it's one in which you'll never be bored, and you'll always be. Cha- you can never know too much. No, and it's constantly changing. I want to thank you for coming on our show. I am so delighted that you're part of our practice. That you you work with me. That we work together, and I can learn from you. And we can learn vice versa. And I think it's really for the benefit of our patients, the people whose lives we touch, that we bring different gifts and your talent and your gift and experience, and likewise mine to really make their care the best possible. So thanks for being on the show today. And we'll come back and we'll do another show in, in, in next year on longevity and some of the things and maybe the biodome and functional medicine, where I think his patients are fascinated. So thank you, Dr. Linda Eller from the Center for Executive Medicine for being on our show today. 
Anything else you want to say? Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to start this journey. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks so far, but it's been awesome. Well, you've it's done been, great. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening in to our October show on house calls. Y'all make sure you get a good doctor. If you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, I'm putting a plug in for our practice. And Dr. Linda Eller is taking new patients. So you all have a great month and we will visit with you next month. So take care and God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.